0: Podcast Markets with Chip here. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, Tractor Zoom delivering insights. The auction market is the canary in the coal mine. I talk about it all the time. And if you're watching what's going on right now in the auction marketplace, um, we have we have hit <clears throat> we've hit the top of the market. And uh, and we're gonna keep banging our heads against the ceiling as we keep going up, and that that ride back down is going to be uh, a very fast and very abrupt one. So, whenever you are uh, looking at auction values and trying to track and see what's going on, Tractor Zoom's Iron comp is a great place to go do that. So, if you have interest in doing that, get a hold of the guys over there at Tractor Zoom, and you'll be able to get a discount when you use Moving Iron at checkout. So, make sure you check that out. Like usual, I have Chip Nellinger here from Blue Reef Agri-Marketing to come on once a week and talk about what's going on. And, uh, you know, Chip, we, uh, we always kind of have a pre-show, before the show type of thing, and we talk about a lot of cool stuff. And this this last report that came out um, shocked me a little bit um, about kind of what the USDA fessed up to a little bit as far as planted acres and compared to what some of these independent acreage um, analysts had come up with so i guess what's your overall reaction to uh to wednesday's report
1: yeah i I thought it was uh wildly friendly and and obviously the market did as well um you know the the market kind of got caught leaning too far in one direction and and that was because of some of the estimates out there that were saying five six million more corn acres uh, and some additional bean acres and I mean, I just never really bought into that uh, from one standpoint is where's all the acres coming from? If you add up all right. the acres that yeah. they gave us in March, there's, no, there's, there's not much more of a pool of acres. So um, I think that the market was done a little bit of disservice by, you know, maybe some of these estimates that have been floating around that, you know, said five, six million plus. Uh, I think the highest one was north of six million more corn acres. So uh, USDA comes out, you know, just a touch over a million and a half more corn acres on the low side of estimates, bean acres unchanged. That was 300,000 acres below the lowest estimate. Uh, The stocks numbers were in line, actually uh, maybe 20 million bushels below average on the beans. So that there was nothing bearish there. And to make matters worse, now you've got, as you, as you sift through that acreage report, the major increases in acres, both corn and beans, were in North Dakota, South Dakota, and Minnesota. And if you take a uh, you know, 60-day precip map, that's the driest area. And June was one of the hottest months for them on record. Right. And they don't have a lot of rain in the forecast, maybe just a s- small chance late next week. Uh, but that doesn't, at this stage, look like it's going to be a drought buster. That's going to be, you know, a half inch, if you're lucky, type of a thing. That's not going to do a whole lot for them. So there's just no margin for error now. And, and now the market is highly sensitive. We're we're shaping up to be a real wild week next week because we've got, uh, you know, July 4th is Sunday. The The holiday is recognized on Monday. So there's no markets Monday. So once we close this market this afternoon, Friday, uh, there's no more markets until Tuesday morning. And that's a long time to get through a lot of potential weather changes and surprises could happen. Um, And so we're shaping up for a a real wild start to next week, depending on what the forecast says. And it's not like we can wait a month. Um, You know, you're getting to the stage of development now on corn up there. Uh, you know, in, in the Dakotas, Minnesota, that uh, rain in four weeks isn't going to help them. They need rain like now or, you know, you're going backwards even even more and it's going to be irreversible. So Man. pretty critical time frame and uh, it's going to be a
0: real wild ride next week. Yeah, it sounds like it. So I was reading some stuff about what's going on in Brazil and there was some down in the, uh, the the Prana region, down there of, of the corn growing area, they're talking about. They're worried about early frost and even some snow. So you throw that on top of there, it's just what's happening in South America is not really even. It's even more friendly to what we see happening up here. Yes, and they did get that uh,
1: they did, okay. at, at least at least two nights of a hard frost. <clears throat> um, still trying to assess uh, it might have even actually got three nights of it but two for sure of a, of a hard frost um, you know pictures floating around uh, uh, Twitter and, and elsewhere that that growing area is kind of spread out and and so where that frost hit that corn looked like it was you know just past pollination mm-hmm. and so that's not a good situation for them they don't have a lot of uh, grain drying facilities they're going to have quality issues it's likely you know once you frost corn it just messes it up you can't recover from from that so that likely took more top end off there's some private estimates that were out earlier this week you're starting to kind of dip that crop down um, sub 90 million metric tons there's some 89 some 88s being talked about and and so that's going to limit what they can export out of that country. That just means that we're going to pick up more of the business that they would have normally got if they had a big crop. And so that just goes right to the demand. It keeps the bar raised even higher that we've got to raise a big, a big crop trend line crop, or we're going to cut carry out, you know, potentially down towards a billion bushels uh, on, on corn. So this, this rain uh, is just that much more critical for the Dakotas and the dry areas. There's still some dry areas of of Iowa, uh, Nebraska. You know, the eastern corn belt generally is is really good, and I don't know if it's record. I think there's areas that could be record, but we didn't start. We had some problems at planting and right. late planting, and you know, it's really good over here. So it's a different deal than 2012 where just everybody was dry. This is just kind of far northwest corn belt, but it, it's it's tight enough on the stocks that though, and the added acres they had up there, you know, they, that, those three States, the Dakotas and Minnesota account for right at 20% each of the total corn and bean acreage in this country. Right. And um, you know, it's like, an insult to injury, right? They, they increased their acres a lot in those states, but now they're suffering, you know, arguably a drought that's probably, you know, working on towards being close to what 2012 was for a lot of people. And um, especially if you don't get rain here next week. So very critical time. And, you know, it, it's a world market. Brazil plays into that. And they're going to expand their acres down there. You can be sure of that, but you won't have any supplies from them until, you know, what, March, April, you know, maybe some beans in, in late February. So we got several months here where we're the only game in town and uh, the pipeline's running pretty thin. Pretty and, thin, yeah. And uh, the,
0: the new crop pipeline is is a little bit in question as well. Yep. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of other things going on too to pay attention to as well and we're just talking from a production standpoint i mean there's a lot of machines out there that are running around that are you know parts availability and those kind of things that are all going to start playing into this uh fall harvest as we start as we get these combines through through uh wheat harvest here so i mean there's just some things that are going to start popping up that that could also affect just you know the, the the front end of of the supply chain, so a lot of a lot of moving parts out there right now to pay attention to. Yeah, there definitely are, and and
1: you know it's not just we've seen this in the past too. I mean, it is not just um, production related, right? We've seen big right. swings because of interest rate uh, and and dollar moves. Mm-hmm. We had a rumor yesterday of of uh, ASF in the United States that quickly, like immediately took hogs limit down that rumor uh uh, proved to be false um so far and uh and at least july hogs reversed and um you know closed well off their lows had a almost a five dollar range in july hogs yesterday and that's just off of a rumor you know of of asf which you know would be horrendous if we got that but oh yeah <clears throat> these markets are just um it's it's a different uh, time in 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 the markets you know the report day beans had uh over a do, about a dollar and five cent range from low to high yeah so before the report beans are down 16 18 cents five minutes later report comes out friendly you know beans are up 88 90 cents so
0: yeah it's insane these these moves in the volatility you're you're seeing. Yeah, and even yesterday after you know you figured to be some carry through yesterday uh, with what was going on there, and I don't know if there's profit taking or what was going on yesterday, but you know the, the markets opened up fifteen or twenty cents higher, and by the end of the day they were they were up two. You know what I mean? So there's again another big swing just between where it opened to where it closed, but the interday volatility by itself was even higher. So I mean it's just all of these things are just coming at us, and it's just uh, you can't—you don't know up from down here. It feels like. Yeah, that's that's
1: absolutely—you uh, hit the nail on the on the head, <clears throat> and and even today you're going to see that. You know, you've already seen it uh, in the overnight, and uh, to, in a lot of ways today doesn't really matter. I mean, the midday forecast is what the market's going to go on, but then you got four days, and and you know we all know how fast the weather can change, and. It's unfortunate, you know, how many tens and if not hundred million dollars been poured into these weather models and, and, and they're not, uh, you know, they're just computer models trying to predict the weather and that's right. not a very exact science. So, you know, there've been times in the past, you, you know, three days, uh, no rain in the forecast, weather models have nothing. All of a sudden you wake up and it's, uh, it's raining everywhere. Right. And, and so Certainly, they want that. They hope for that in the dry areas. But right now, that's not in the in the forecast, uh, yeah. unfortunately. So yeah. today's action, you could see some wild swings. People that are long, getting nervous over the weekend. That's what causes this intraday stuff, that prices break back. End users who thought the high was in and, you know, we're going to get cheaper corn and bean prices. Now, this report kind of scared them. So they're buying the brakes to try to get some coverage. And it creates this real shoppy trade and, and so you could have another 30 cent range today and it probably doesn't really mean anything until we get to tuesday and uh <coughs> it's like the old uh old times where uh, we didn't have the night trade right that only happens a couple times a year now after holidays and uh there are gonna be no overnight markets monday night you're gonna walk in and we gotta wait till 8 30 in the morning and everybody gets to uh choose their uh you know their position based on the weather forecast and it i i i i would bet a lot of money we're not going to be unchanged tuesday morning it's going to be sharply higher or sharply lower based on uh you know the two
0: week forecast for the dakotas and minnesota yeah well the talking heads on on the various news networks are going to uh be driving a lot of the market here because like you know a lot of people that are that are dictating what's going on in these markets don't even really know what corn looks like and just because it rains doesn't mean that rain is going to do any good so um, a lot of a lot of things to pay attention to chip and more moving parts in this in this grain market than we've than I've, I've ever seen so I I've been doing as long as you have so it just seems like there's a a lot of a lot of unknowns out there and everybody's just the the smallest drop of, of the of the hat or a, a pin drop or something like that just absolutely sends the market cascading one direction or the other. And it's just, it's a it's a crazy time, I guess, best way to put
1: it. It, it really is. It, it really is. And it moves so fast, even intraday. But mm-hmm. these big swings allow you <clears throat> room to, to maneuver, oh, absolutely. you know, yeah. if, if you have a plan, right? If you yeah. sold some corn at six bucks, you had a chance five days later to, you know, buy some calls 60, 70 cents lower and beans a dollar lower. And, uh, so there's ways if you have a plan to not be handcuffed and, and emotional about these swings because they actually give you opportunities. Although they, they come so fast, what, what used to take, you know, four or five weeks to, to make a move now sometimes happens in Four or five
0: hours, right and, and it's just light speed. It's, it's <clears throat> mind boggling at times. Yeah, that's the thing about the volatility. It opens up those those windows of opportunity. But to your point, you've got to have that plan in place of what you're going to do, when, and why, and and what that looks like. So yeah, it's a lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts. Um, let's jump down and talk about cattle prices for just a little bit. Um, cattle prices have, you know, been doing okay. Um, they've been kind of bouncing around and and they, they, but they seem to be holding their own Obviously we're in that, that peak uh, uh, Grilling season for the year here Coming up on 4th of July weekend and those kind of things Start seeing that taper off through Labor Day But um, I guess as you take a look At that market um, I mean it seems like It seems like right now that The animals aren't there that they Thought were there and there's Because uh, as weights come down you're not, There's not as many animals out there to, to get going again so I guess what's your thought On on what's going on in the cattle marketplace.
1: Yeah, I, I think in the very short run, you want to talk about volatility. Cattle had, um, you know, essentially a $3 range yesterday, live cattle. Feeder cattle had a $5 range. I think a lot of that was based on the, that uh, ASF rumor that uh, kind of circulated, uh, and the initial knee-jerk is, okay, if, if that's true, consumers going to run away from pork and they're going to eat more beef, and I think that's what pulled us off the, the lows yesterday uh we're it's still the push and the pull right now we it seems like uh we've got enough supply up uh, to meet demand maybe a little too much we can't seem to get the cash market uh fired up you know much north of uh, 122 123 kind of seems stuck in the mud there Box beef has come down but underneath the surface this drought i think is is shifting uh the plates a little bit here longer term you know there's been a ton of of, uh, cows slaughtered that continues. I mean, I don't know if we're quite at record cow slaughter, but we're way up there historically. Um, this drought is really causing some dislocations, you know, out in, you know, the mountain States, Montana, Wyoming, uh, Colorado, you know, the Western Dakotas, uh, just, you know, some of the worst pasture conditions we've ever had. And, uh, and longer term, I think that is something that can be very friendly. Longer term meaning, you know, maybe out into winter, but really next year. It might even be a twenty twenty two issue. You know, it just takes a while to, to to sift this through. I think it limits the downside uh, high corn prices. If we haven't seen the highs in corn yet, obviously that's going to affect feeder cattle. So there's going to be some big shifts here, and at the heart of it, it's all about margin. Um, and, and but to your point, we've talked about volatility before. You're, you're going to see that here as well. And I think longer term, the fundamentals of this big cow slaughter caused by this drought, it's not like it's just been three months, right? I mean, those those Western states have been fighting. The, I mean, this is two years running now that they've been on the dry side. And um, you don't fix that overnight either. That's going to take a lot of rain this summer, snow this winter. So they may be fighting this again next spring. And and, and that Longer term, I think, is very supportive to cattle prices, but it may not come as quick as what uh, some people think. And, and if corn good keeps going, you know, you come in next week and you're still burning up the, the Northern Plains and the Dakotas uh, and, and corn pushes up closer to 7 bucks. you know, in the short run, that probably won't do feeder cattle any, any favors. In 2012 and other big, uh, you know, like record high corn price years, uh, eventually, the the higher feed costs do start dragging the livestock sector higher. And in 2012, even feeder cattle rallied along with corn, and and so that's something to watch as well. I mean, it could be just simply that margin, the ratio between corn feeders and cat and live cattle has to stay together, or you literally, you know, will break everyone. <clears throat> and so, eventually, if corn is has not found its highs and it's has to go a lot higher because of continuing drought. I think that could be supportive to cattle, but I think longer term that this cow situation or the drought really could, uh, you know, nine months to a year down the road, be something that, uh, really tightens up feeder cattle prices and, and puts a rally into, you know, far deferred live cattle. So I think there's better things coming here, um, for the cattle producers out there, but you know boy the cow calf guy in the west is you know it, he is it's a rough
0: rough time for them right now yeah it is that for sure i mean you take a look at what, like right here where i'm at we've got some pretty timely rains and to still see um you know the bluffs green and, and the pastures green um is very very odd thing to see this time of year um you know the cheat grass is, is brown as brown can be but some of that other more hardy grass is kind of hanging in there. But that being said, when we get, you know, 98 degrees again on Saturday, like it's supposed to be, it's going to start getting hot and you're going to start seeing some of these pastures even burn up even more than they already have. So um, They're talking about, there, there's some talk and
1: rumors that uh, there might be some emergency measures and maybe releasing some, uh, you know, CRP ground to, to either graze or hay. Uh, I mean, that, that would help, but you know, it's, it's a sad situation. You know I mean? These guys I was talking to a guy in uh, South Dakota and you know, these guys like to have at least two years worth of, of hay around. Right. Um, and it, for situations like this, it, you know, cause they know it comes, uh, but this is a bad one. And he's like, we're out. You know, like it, it when you're out, you're out, you know, there's none to cut and there's none in storage. And, you know guys do you, you hear the stories guys just take her to the sale just the whole herd you know they've been working 40 50 years just sell the whole herd we got
0: we got there's nothing to feed them right yep bad deal it is bad and then you throw high corn prices on top of that it's even worse just like you talked about so I mean, it's just a uh, yeah uh, exactly a lot of moving parts here man so chip great segue into the if you don't have a plan who do you, you know how do you get a hold of yourself and and talk through that and i guess uh, Kind of run through the process of what it, what it, what you go through with the customers you work with about building that plan and what that looks like.
1: Yeah, I mean at the heart of it, <clears throat> whether that's the the cattle side or the grain side, it's it's you know all right. What what are the costs in this? Let you know a lot of producers have that already. Um, you'd be surprised, you know, how some don't have it quite zeroed in. Not just seed nitrogen fertilizer, but you know, let's get a picture of really what it costs to put this crop out or produce, you know, this, uh, you know, on the feedlot side, or if it's cow, calf side and, and then, you know, kind of a background of, all right, what, what have you done in the past for risk management? You know, have you, have you ever hedged with futures or options? Have you just done cash sales? You know, we're advisors and consultants. So the last thing we want to do is take a guy and say, all right, here's what we recommend. even though you've never hedged with futures before, boy, we need to go in and hedge your whole crop today with short futures. You know, it, it's not about that. It's about developing a plan to that fits you the best to your comfort level and then helping you execute that plan as the market progresses. And, um, you know, and that includes everything. That includes, you know, advice on when to sell cash grain, um, how to sell it, you know, it might be a put for one person. It might be a short futures head for another. It might be uh, just a straight cash sale uh, for, for another person. Uh, there's no one-size-fits-all type of a, of a plan here. It's, it's individualized and, and customized for each operation. And, and the operations that fit within our niche are you know, the several thousand to 30,000 head feed yards that they're doing it all right they're they're, <laughs> they're the cowboy out there uh you know loading cattle they're buying feeders they're they're the health guy and they just don't have time to sit in front of the screen and watch the markets every day same same on the row crop side you know the the four thousand to twelve thousand eight plus acre guy they did there's so many balls in in the air all the time that they can't focus on the market so we just kind of function once we have that plan and and uh, we try to put a written plan in place and say, all right, here are our targets. If we get to these levels, we want to sell this percent of grain or or hedge this amount of cattle and, and just be an extra set of eyes and ears for those producers out there. And uh, sometimes all it needs is uh, just, just one phone call can make a difference, right? When they're out and the market's moving or hitting targets and they can't focus on it, one phone call can, can make the difference uh, between profitability and, and missing a move in the markets.
0: Absolutely. So if folks wanted to reach out and talk to you about that, what's the best way to do it?
1: Yeah, best way is just call our office 309-550-7213. That's our, uh, our office number in Morton. And, uh, we'd love to chat with you. We're not super high pressure at all. Um, love to, love to talk about what you're doing currently and how we might be able to give a little advice on, on how to improve that. And, uh, love to, love to chat with people. Even if there's just questions about the markets, uh, I always enjoy uh, phone calls from people I don't normally uh, talk to every day, and kind of get to see what uh, what their situation is, and you know what part of the Corn Belt they're in, and what their local crops
0: are like. So, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Right on. Well, thanks a lot for being on the podcast, Chip.
1: You bet. Always fun, Casey. Next week's going to be a, a wild
0: one. So, yeah, definitely uh, will be. Interested to talk to you in a week from now to see what's transpired in these markets. Absolutely. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast, as well as movingironllc.com. That's where you're going to find the entire library of the Moving Iron Podcast. So if you want to go back to podcast number one and and listen to how amazingly awful that one was, by all means, go back and check it out. But also... While you're on movingironllc.com You can go to the uh, navigation bar And go up to the Moving Iron Summit That comes up in September 15th through the 17th in Nashville, Tennessee That will be uh, the yearly uh, meeting That we have with dealers We get together and talk about what's going on A lot of great information is Going to come out of that A lot of great speakers And a lot of great networking as well So if you're interested in that Go to that uh, All the information is there to register um, Hotel information Those kind of things are all there as well need more information, hit me up at uh, MovingIronPodcast at MovingIronPodcast.com and I'll answer any questions you might have. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Chip Nelliger. Let's go with some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful, competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers.